The Apostle Paul, when he was deciding where he was going to go next, had thought, well, you know, I'll go here, and God said no. Well, I'll go here, God said no. Uh, and he had a dream of a Macedonian man saying, hey, come here to Macedonia and, uh, and minister with us. And he took that as God speaking to his heart uh, about what he should do next in his ministry. And he went, uh, we've heard that song, you have heard the Macedonian call today. Well, that's what Paul heard. He had heard the Macedonian call. And he went and he ministered to some of those churches that had such a great uh, harvest and such a great ministry there. And we've got some letters in our, in our Bible today uh, to those very places that Paul ministered to. And God just redirected him in his life. And uh, I think we need to be open to God speaking in our lives and telling us where to go and what to do. And... Um, in this scripture, we're going to have a fellow by the name of Barack, uh, not Barack Obama, but Barack, okay? Uh, it's, this is the biblical Barack. And uh, Barack is the reluctant savior for the people of Israel. Uh, matter of fact, apparently there was nobody qualified uh, to spiritually or in willingness to serve as a spiritual leader for God's people. And so God used a godly woman to do what a man wouldn't do. Praise God for godly women who will do things that God calls them to do. Sometimes when we men don't do what we should do. But I'm not going to focus on Deborah tonight. I, the message I'd originally prepared focused on her. But I want to focus on Barak tonight because I believe that uh, there's probably times in all of our lives where we have been that reluctant person uh, to do what God tells us to do. And so uh, Deborah gets a word from God and she shares it with Barak and she says, look, uh, God wants to use you to deliver the people of Israel uh, from Sisera and Jabin and, uh, and their 20 year long oppression. He wants you to go to Mount Tabor, and he wants you to gather people from uh, Naphtali and Zebulun, the two Israelite tribes, 10,000 men, uh, and go and fight against Sisera. And so Barak says, you know, with his uh, John Wayne voice, uh, if you go with me, I'll go. If you don't go with me, I won't go. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so Deborah graciously agrees to go with him, but... She, she says to him, because you, you have been unwilling to go in your, by yourself and do this as God has requested you to, God's going to give the glory to the battle to a woman. And uh, it ends up being a lady by the name of Jael. And, uh, and she, uh, she ends up killing Sisera in her tent. So uh, kind of a colorful story, uh, but there are some great truths about responding to God's voice and uh, living in such a way that we fulfill the purpose and plan of God. I believe that's what God wants each one of us to do. So the title of my message is responding to God's voice. And look with me at Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his forces was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. 
Uh, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots. By the way, do you remember the iron chariots being the excuse for them not taking the land? Do you remember that? Here these iron chariots are again. Uh, and so uh, Israelites cried to the Lord and uh, because Jabin had harshly oppressed them for 20 years. Deborah, a woman who was a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth, uh, was judging Israel at the time. It was her custom to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her for judgment. She summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, uh, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, deploy the troops on Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and the Zebulonites, and I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots, and his armies at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will go with you, she said. But you will receive no honor on the road you're about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera into a woman's hand. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zeanimim, uh, which was in Kedesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the people who were with him from the Harosheth of the nations uh, to the Wadi Kishon. <clears throat> then Deborah said to Barak, Move on, for this day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, all his charioteers, and all his army into confusion with the sword before Barak. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, uh, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was peace between Jabin king of Hazor and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord, come in with me, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a rug. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, Stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, Is there a man here? Say no. <clears throat> While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife Jael took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera, lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, 
the power of the Israelites continued to increase against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. That's a good Halloween story, isn't it? Uh, I want you to know that God is able to deliver, uh, even through reluctant people sometimes, right? Uh, responding to God's voice. What do, do we do to respond to God's voice? We need to do several things. First of all, go to God's place. Go to God's place. She summoned Barak. Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and Zebulonites? So go to Mount Tabor. That's where he was to go. Now, God may tell you to go uh, to a mountain. Uh, more, more, more likely, God may tell you to go across the street to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Or he may tell you to go down the street to take a, take a meal to somebody in, in need or uh, whatever the case may be, but we need to be open for God to speak to our hearts and to lead us in our lives. Um, the disciples of Jesus were pretty open about following Jesus at first. As a matter of fact, they were arguing about which one's getting to sit at his right hand. Do you remember that? And um, all this discussion going on, and Jesus, all the mean, in the meantime, Jesus is set his face toward the cross. And so finally, they, they get to the Garden of Eden, and after the disciples get a good nap, and Jesus has prayed, uh, the guards come to arrest Jesus, and Jesus cooperates with the, the arrest and calls it God's will, and he heals Malchus' ear after Peter lops it off with the sword. And Jesus is cooperating with them. This is not what they had in mind. And so they decide... We're getting out of here. We're fleeing. We're not sticking around for an arrest and whatever else they have in mind. And so they all fled from Jesus. But Jesus, in the meantime, had been in the garden and he had said, Not what I will, but what you will. And Jesus willingly went to the cross for us. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't reluctant? To go to the cross and didn't say, I'm not going unless John goes with me, unless Peter goes with me. <laughs> Jesus said, I am going to go to the cross because it's your will, God. As unpleasant as it may be, as, as uh, horrible as it may be for me to experience your wrath and your justice and, and, and all that it entails, I will go because you have told me to go. Uh, that's what God needs for us. To do, to be willing to be obedient to God without uh, conditions in our life, to go where He tells us to go. Um, one of the most remarkable things that, that I've ever seen, I, I saw on video uh, in seminary, and it was a story about these missionaries who were with the Wycliffe translators, and they had gone uh, to this place, I believe it was in South America, and there was, it, it was a, just. Um, no one in the, in the whole country knew these people's language uh, except that, that one people group. And so they had to go into this people group, this tribe, and learn this language. And it took them about seven years to learn the language. That's how long it was. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Um, as, and when he began to have the language down, he began to work on translating the New Testament. Um, 
for uh, that seven years that he was working and, and uh, learning the language and finally uh, beginning on the translation of the New Testament, he had one convert that whole time. I think that'd be pretty discouraging. But God had told him to go there, and so he went there. And, and, and so after a few more years, he had finished his, his work on the New Testament. He had a New Testament in their language, and uh, he got sick. And so uh, he had to go back to the States. And, um, and so uh, he got treated, and they told him, you can't uh, continue your missionary work because uh, you're too sick. You're going to have to be around American medicine. And, uh, and so he, had, he stayed um, for, um, for, I think it was two or three years uh, in the United States. And uh, he had given this Bible that he had, he had translated to this one convert. Um, and uh, he had heard that uh, some good things had happened, so, but he wasn't sure exactly what. And so he decided he was going to go back and visit. He couldn't stay, but he'd go back and visit uh, these people that he had learned to love. And, and so uh, on the video, they showed his arrival on the plane. And this, this one convert that he had given this New Testament to had traveled around from village to village preaching the gospel. And when, he, when his plane opened, as far as his eye could see were people waiting to welcome him that had been saved because he went where God told him to go. And uh, I never will forget that as long as I live. I think there probably wasn't a dry eye in the whole place because it showed. I mean, it showed, the camera showed all the people. I mean, it was flat, too. It wasn't like Tennessee Hills, you know, where it might, some might be... Uh, cramped into a, a spot. No, it was just as far as I could see in a flat field. Uh, there were just solid people who'd been saved. I wonder when we get to heaven someday what it's going to be like to, to understand just how significant it was when we went where God told us to go. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see. Uh, but can I just encourage you uh, to be willing uh, to let God disrupt your schedule, to talk to a neighbor, or to share the gospel with a coworker, or to be a listening ear uh, and a prayer partner for somebody who's struggling. Um, let God use you as His instrument in people's lives so that you can make a difference. And I think God can use you in a very significant way. Barack said. You go with me, I'll go. You don't go with me, I'm not going. Uh, he, he had conditions on it, didn't he? But, but we need to go where God tells us to go uh, without condition. So first of all, uh, to respond to God's voice, we need to go to God's place. Secondly, we need to ask for God's people. Ask for God's people. Look at the second part of verse 6. Take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and Zebulonites. God gave him specific instructions about who to take with him. Um, I don't know exactly how all this happened. If, uh, if as he was going, he said, hey, send some messengers out, you know, kind of like uh, one of these war movies, you know, where they, they ride on horses, you know, and they go to horseback from place to place and spread the word and gather the truth. I don't know exactly what happened. But some way, he got out the word that he needed help. 
And uh, you, God, sometimes when he'll put something upon your heart, he may want to use more than just you in the process. He may want to use a group of folks or maybe several folks uh, in the process. And so uh, we need to be willing to ask for help. Uh, we're a body of believers, right? Now, I can ask you for help. God may say to you, that's not what I have for you. And that's okay. But we need to be willing to ask and put that out there. And I, I know uh, a couple of years ago we were um, starting the everyday evangelism. And uh, Philip and I had been going out. Uh, and I'd put a sign-up sheet out there. And nobody signed up. And, uh, and it was like two weeks away. The scheduled training was supposed to start. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to take that. I'm going to take that sign-up sheet up. Uh, off the, the table and just something said mm, no wait a second don't do that just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying leave it out well uh, the next Sunday uh, Steve Lynch comes up to me and he said that sign up sheet still out here and he said I want to sign up he said, Robert and I feel like God's working on us about being a part of that uh, evangelism thing and see They've been, they've been blessed. They've both shared with me that it's been a blessing uh, to go out and minister. And, and yet, if I hadn't asked, they wouldn't have done it. But I asked them. And see, it was God's plan for, not just for Philip and I, but for all four of us to go out. Um, and, and, and so sometimes God doesn't want just you. He wants, somebody once said, uh, you know, if you train somebody to fish, that's better than just going fishing yourself because then you've got two people fishing, right? So uh, when you ask somebody else to be involved, it gives them an opportunity to serve, and maybe God has gifted them in a unique way to be able to help you in, in accomplishing whatever it is that God's laid upon your heart. Um, and then there is a joint work. And isn't that the way the body of Christ works? The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The foot can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. Sometimes the foot and the mouth work together, don't they? But, uh, but we're all made different, and God has done that on purpose so that we can help each other in the ministry of reaching other people and of ministering to the body of Christ. And so uh, you need to ask for the help that God tells you. God may lay some, a specific person on your heart to ask, or he may just say, hey, just open it up. Just let whoever, whoever God moves uh, volunteer. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> so ask for that help in the ministry. And uh, I, one, one of the guys that uh, I, I was listening to uh, was talking about using volunteers. And he said, you know, sometimes we, uh, we have one set of volunteers do the whole process. He said, but you can break it up into four steps. And you can have these people do this, and these people do this, and these people do this, and these people do this. And then instead of two, two people, you've got eight people involved. And you've given them an avenue of service. And I thought that was a neat idea. Um, so uh, think in terms of involving other people. Guess what? There's somebody around here who needs a ministry. Get them involved as God leads you to do that in whatever it is that you may be doing. So, uh, responding to God's voice, what do we need to do? First of all, go to God's place. Secondly, ask for God's people. Thirdly, trust in God's victory. Trust in God's victory. Look at verse 7. Deborah is, is continuing to share with Barak. He says, Then I will lure 
Sisera, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots, and his army at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. This is Deborah speaking for God. God has told Deborah, tell Barak this. And God is saying, I'm going to lure him to where you are, and then I'm going to give him into your hand. It's a promise of God. And he says, I'll go if you go, Deborah. But if you, if you don't go, I'm not going. God has given him a promise. Isn't that like, like how we are a lot of times? We, we know the promise of God. We know that God has said he will do it. But really, somewhere down deep in our hearts, we may just not truly believe it the way we need to believe it. And so we hedge our bets and we say, well... I'll be obedient at this, at this, at this. And, and, and we're, what we're doing is we're refusing to trust God in the way that we should. Well, praise God for Deborah. Deborah had more courage than Barak did. She said, I'll go with you. And, uh, and so they go out together, and he's hiding behind her. I don't think he was literally hiding behind her skirt. But uh, anyway, he goes out, and he does what God tells him to do and God fulfills his promise to him but guess what God would have fulfilled his promise to him anyway and not only that God would have honored him for his faith and when he tells Deborah this Deborah says well listen now that you have requested me to go along the God says that he's going to give Sisera into the hand of a woman so the honor that you would have received you won't receive God has a plan for us, and sometimes we miss out on God's best because we're unwilling to trust God and believe his promise. And so trust God for the victory in your life. And, you know, sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? God says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. If you ask in faith, I'll give it to you. Uh, God says, when you go out to witness, he says, lo, I am with you always. Do you believe that? Um, you know, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you ever feel alone in the time of your trial? You don't, you're not believing the promise of God. You're worrying. You're fretting. You're going crazy. What am I going to do? And you forget that you have an unseen partner to help you through. Uh, trust God for his victory in your life. Trust God to keep his promises in your life. And trust that where he leads you to go, he will go with you. Where he leads you to go, he will supply for you. Somebody once said, where God guides, he provides. And that's so true. If God is behind it, things will fall into place. If God is behind it, other people will be willing to help you. If God is behind it, guess what? You're going to find that what you thought you could not do, and you probably were right, you can do when God is doing it through you. And you will find yourself in a place of victory that you never thought you'd see yourself. And it will be because you have trusted in God's victory. Uh, isn't it amazing what God can do when we trust him? Gideon, hiding in a wine press, ended up being God's instrument to deliver the Israelites later on. Uh, the angel says to him, go up, you mighty man of valor. Who, who me? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, and this is, the, this is the story. And so, so often, God will come to somebody who is weak. What does Corinthians say? It's not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise. 
But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the things that are not to confound the things that are. So that no flesh may boast before him. And so God comes to us in our weakness and he says, will you trust me? And if we say yes to him, we're in for uh, an adventure that God will do through us as we follow him. Um, <clears throat> trust God for victory. You remember, you remember the story of Peter and the, and the disciples are out on the lake fishing? And they've gone all night fishing. I'm not a committed fisherman. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. If I go an hour and I've not gotten a bite, I'm usually out of there. I don't have the patience for that. But they had been there all night with the mosquito bugs and the frogs and whatever else was out there. Uh, I imagine they were frustrated and in a bad mood. And here comes the wise guy on the shore telling them how to fish. You might just be tempted to get mad. And uh, he says, cast the net on the other side of the boat. And Peter's, he's, he's being tactful, but he's thinking, really? We're the fishermen here, you know. And uh, he's being tactful. He says, okay, Lord, we've been out here all night, but at your word, I'll throw the net on the other side. What happened? Whoom! And they're struggling to pull it in. They have to get two boats. they got so many fish in it. A simple act of trusting God for victory. What they did in that simple act of trust was they exchanged their ability for Christ's ability. <laughs> and all of a sudden they had more than they could handle. Uh, what an amazing thing. Trust God for victory in your life. And, and if you're struggling with that, ask him, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, uh, you know what Jesus did when the man said that? He reached out and healed him. God will help you if you call out to him. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to trust through you. Um, when we struggle in our faith, we need the supernatural power of God to help us in our faith. But ultimately, it's not the amount of faith that you have. It's who you have faith in. And if you have just a little bit of faith in Jesus and you do what he says, even if it's a reluctant, okay, you know, and you throw the net on the other side. Can I tell you something? God can use a little faith. He can use a little faith. Why? Because he's a big God. He's a big God. Ask God to trust, you, trust through you and, and trust God for victory. So, responding to God's voice, go to God's place, ask for God's people, trust in God's victory, and finally, surrender to God's plan. In verse 9, look at verse 8. Barak says to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Have you ever thought in your heart, Lord, I'll do anything you want but that. That's not surrender. I've been there. I, you know, I've been there and saying, Lord, I, I, this over here I'll do, but Lord, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this, and, and I've, I've had a stroke. But Barack says, I'm not going to obey God if you don't go with me. 
What a tragedy that would have been if he had not gone. 20 years they'd been under oppression. Who knows how long it would have continued had he not been obedient to God. But he put conditions on it. Lord, I'm not going to surrender. Jonah didn't surrender either, did he? Except Jonah just didn't. He didn't say, I'll, I'll go with the lady. He said, I'm just not going. I'm not going. And he got on a boat headed the opposite direction to Tarshish. And God appointed a fish. <laughs> you know God's got to have a sense of humor. God appointed a fish. Imagine if you're that fish. You feel pretty important. But anyway, uh, this fish swallows Jonah. And God ends up bringing brokenness to Jonah's life. And he goes and, and gives a, a brief message to the people of Nineveh. And you know the story. And they repent. But he was unwilling to be surrendered. If we're unsurrendered to God, God will chasten us. I believe in our lives. I don't think we'll have the walk with God that we could have had. Uh, let me say this. Praise God for those people like Deborah who will come alongside to help something happen even when it's really not their responsibility to do it. And I'm thinking of specific people in our church who've done that kind of thing. And I praise God for you. <laughs> I do. I praise God for you. Praise God for people who will come alongside. What would have happened without Deborah? Praise God for Deborah. But God can even take us when we're not where we need to be and use us. I'm grateful for that because there have been a lot of times I've not been where I needed to be. So, uh, but the point is, have a surrendered heart to God. I think that the whole point of this whole, the whole story is kind of a, it's, it's almost humorous. Because here you have the guy that's supposed to be the deliverer of Israel and God uh, God picks this guy. He probably got slim pickings. They're, they're getting so wicked. Uh, and he's such a coward, he won't go up without Deborah. And then you've got Sisera, the opposing uh, general, uh, going into this house of, of Heber the Kenite. And his wife apparently doesn't have Heber's uh, political affiliation. She, she's not happy with uh, what he's chosen to do and, and having an ally with Jabin. And so, uh, but she doesn't let Sisera know that. She says, come on in here. You know, and so she, Deborah, a mother in Israel. Now you've got Jael acting like a mother, putting the cover over him. Get here, I'll get you some milk, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, get him all comfortable and feeling good and cozy in the, in the tent. And, uh, and going along, and he falls, his, I mean, he, boy, that milk hits his system. He's already tired, and that milk hits his system, but he's out. He is out. Here comes Jael with a tent peg. That blows my mind. And drives that thing to his temple. I mean, that's like Arnold Schwarzenegger right there. I mean, that's something else. And, and you've got these two women acting like mothers to a bunch of men who don't have the courage and the character to do what they're supposed to do. We need to have a surrendered heart. I listen, I, I believe that the men in our country, and I'm not picking on you guys. You guys are the Sunday night crowd, okay? So just, just relax. But I, 
I really have a concern for men in our country. Men are, men are checking out of their responsibilities. They're leaving their families. They're, they're, doing, they're living for themselves. Even if they don't leave geographically, sometimes they stay, but they don't take care of their families. They're not a spiritual leader in their home. And one of the reasons that our country is in the position that it's in is because of men who've not taken the responsibility to be God's man in their home. They're not surrendered to God's purpose. They've got other priorities that take precedence over doing what God has called them to do. We need to surrender to God's plan. And aren't you glad that people have surrendered to God's plan in history? <laughs> Paul surrendered to go, and Europe was one. People surrendered to go to a new country called America. To set up shop here to escape religious persecution and establish a Christian nation in this country. And you and I, through a series of people who were willing to go where God told them to go and ask for God's people's help and, and do the things that God and have a surrendered heart. And, and the gospel spread across America. And one day, two different preachers preached a message to a lost young man that was me. And I heard the message of the gospel and came to faith in Jesus Christ because somebody said yes to Jesus. Aren't you glad for those people that say yes? Let us be those people. I don't know if that's good English, but let's carry that torch on another generation and respond to God's voice in our hearts and lives. Not everybody is called to be a preacher, but everybody is called to say yes to God and to do what God has called them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for um, showing us the importance of responding to your word. Uh, Father, help us not to have qualifiers on our obedience. Help us not to say, if this happens or if this person does it, I'll be obedient. But Lord, help us be willing to say, like Jesus said, though all forsake me, not my will, but yours be done. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that we would have that attitude within us of, of uh, uh, no greater love has any man than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. Help us be the same.